Welcome to a Day in the Life of Zori podcast. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in on this week's episode. Um, This episode, I will be chatting about motherhood. So first and foremost, I am a mom of two, um, but I am one of six kids. So definitely most of the things that I do um, and have learned about mothering, I have certainly picked up from my mom. I've also, of course, picked up things throughout the years from my sisters and really close friends and family um, in terms of what it is to be a mom, to be a good mom, to try different attempts and approaches um, to certain scenarios in life. We have an 11-year-old and a 3-year-old, so they're in very different developmental areas in their lives and I certainly have to navigate the ocean between them uh, in terms of an age gap to try and meet everyone's needs and be attentive to everyone's needs and milestones in their respective age groups. So growing up I was the oldest of six so I was an only child for about four years um, which meant that my mom was able to dote and really focus on me as the only child for the first four years of my life Um, and while I don't have super vivid memories of that age range in my life I certainly do recall certain things like I remember my mom would sit there and she would talk to me and I I just remember always having conversations with my mom um, and being able to listen to her and just really my mom talking to me is just very soothing even now as I'm a 36 year old so um, definitely seeing that and then seeing my mom then take on going from one kid to three to then five because she had two twin pregnancies after me, um, my mom was just like superwoman. She just did all these things and handled taking care of five kids um, growing up. And it was just insane to me to think how could she have possibly done this because she was so young. She was 19 when she had me. And then she was 23 for my brother and sister. And by the time she was 25, my mom had five kids. To put this in perspective, I was turning 25 when I had my first daughter. So definitely a vast difference in terms of the ages and like points we were at in our lives. Um, And I just really looked to my mom for the guidance in terms of what to do as a mom. And not only because my mom is fantastic and she is a wonderful, wonderful mother. She's definitely the portrayal of what I would want to uh, mimic and do in my own life as a mother. But my mom always guided her parenting through um, prayer and faith and Christianity. And it was always love-centered, Jesus-centered parenting. And I I wanted and continue to want to strive to do that, to be able to continue to instill my faith in my parenting to ensure that I am praying for that wisdom and using the wisdom that God has bestowed upon me to be able to parent and caretake for my children. So my mom definitely included all of that. And I think that when we look back in our childhood, we can see a lot of the things that my mom did were definitely driven by her love of God and then her love of her children and her family. And I just I was always marveled by the amount of things that my mom was able to do and handle at such a young age in perspective to where we were at 25. It it was just so vastly different. Um, And even now I have two kids and sometimes I'm like, I don't even know how she handled five or six um, by the time that, you know, I was in college, she had six kids and it was just 
fan just fantastic and phenomenal to think about and then at the same time it just seems so daunting because I can't imagine her being you know at you know at 100 all of the time and I know now as a mom just those moments where you really just want to curl up and cry and you just feel so tired and weak and just you know worn down but my mom really took that on as a champ and she still says that to this day um us being so little was her favorite phase because she could always have us and protect us and be with us, um, which is probably, I can see where, where that sense comes from because once your kids get old enough where they can leave and do things and, you know, have friends and, and do things where they're not under your supervision, it does sit uneasy in your heart because you just don't know what could happen, what they could encounter, who they could encounter, um, and you're not, you know, supervising or being over them. And it's not about being a helicopter mom or hovering over your kids 24-7 so that they don't have a life. It's just about knowing that if I'm around, if I'm in, if I'm in the building structure that you are in with your friends, I feel that I can intervene and keep you safe. But when I am not, I worry that I can't keep you safe. And I think that's something that as kids you don't even think about. You're just like, oh my God, you're being a fun sucker. You know, you're just not allowing me to do what I want to do. You just don't want me to have any fun. You don't want me to have my own life. And that's not what it's about. And I just want to put a little perspective on that because I definitely, now that I'm 36 and even for some time now, I've been a mom for almost 12 years and I definitely do see the difference in perspective um, as you encounter certain situations with your own children. And I think for people that, you know, don't really want kids or, you know, that's not the life that you think you're you're going to have. Um, sometimes we don't have those moments of realization where we can kind of see and value the things that our parents did for us. So like my mom, yes, at the time she may have seemed a little bit too much, like she wanted to protect us so much that like it felt like we couldn't do certain things. But looking back, I'm just like, you know what? I'm grateful that she did the things that she did and she said no to the things that she said no to because I know that um, she was definitely preventing some things and harms and dangers in my life. Um, do you think about that when you're, you know, 13 and you want to go out to the movies or, you know, go over somebody's house? No, you just feel like people are just trying to stop you from having fun and doing cool things. But as you grow up and you get a little bit older and gain some of that insight, you definitely see the value in being able to say no. And honestly, at some point, I used to ask my mom backwards. I used to make make her say no. Um, it's like, please, can you just say I don't, I don't, I don't want to go there. So can you just say no? <laughs> um, I don't know if anybody else has ever done that. It's like, mom, can you just like, mm, just just say no? I'm gonna ask you this, but I want you to say no. It's okay. Um, just because you didn't want to do certain things or go to certain places with certain people, and that's okay. Um, you know, moms can always be the bad guys to blame. And that's fine. I'm happy to be the bad guy when my daughter doesn't want to do something or doesn't want to talk to someone. Um, because I understand that sometimes kids are telling us they want a boundary without asking really directly that they want that boundary. Um, and whatever it is, I'm going to entrust that um, that wisdom and that knowledge, you know, on my child. And I, if 
they're not happy or comfortable, then I'm going to listen to that. Um, and I'm going to support them in not being happy or comfortable and understanding and trying to figure out why they're not comfortable. Sometimes there's not an explanation. I don't know if you've ever met some people in your life that just kind of don't sit right with you. Um, but kids are definitely very sensitive to that. And if there's anything in a household that kids are not comfortable with, they don't want to go back there. They don't want to be there. That's not the place they want to hang out. Um, and as parents, I really think that we need to focus and listen to our kids and see the signs because there's certain um, actions and words and ways that kids express themselves that definitely speak to you. Um, and with my oldest, we thankfully haven't had really too many instances of that, but there have been a couple of people in our, li in our lives that we have encountered. Not Thankfully, not super close people, so they weren't really difficult to kind of keep at bay, but def there's definitely been people that she's encountered that have made her, like, visibly uncomfortable um, and, you know, where they just kind of like retract, you know, the kids don't want to interact with these people and I'm okay with, with creating the space that my child needs. That that's my primary job in life is being a mother. I am a wife and I am a mother and protecting my children at all costs is something that I will do. And if that means restricting or limiting contact with certain people, then I will certainly do that because the welfare of my children is my utmost priority. Um, and I know that my mom growing up definitely did her best to keep us safe. Um, and it doesn't mean that, you know, we were surrounded by, you know, predators or surrounded by people who were, you know, corrupt or, or not good people. But you know that there is, if there is an opportunity for something to happen and you continue to put your kids in that situation where there's an opportunity, then something could potentially happen. So my mom did her best to very much limit and restrict opportunities for things to possibly happen in our lives. Um, and I know that she did that just out of extra caution for things that she experienced as a child. And most certainly, I think that when we think about parenting, we always think about I feel like people always compare, well, I'm not going to do what my mom did because, you know, X, Y, Z. But really what we're looking at is the experiences that we had as children. And with that, we then reflect to what our parents did and how they reacted. And then we want to tweak that to what we wanted to feel in the moment. And what I think we really need to do objectively is, yes, there are some uh family, you know, family lines that do um, come with some corrupt or um, misshapen values. And of course, you now learning and, and moving past certain things that, you know, previous generations have done and have, you know, instilled in family values, um, you now have the responsibility to weed out the bad, but also bring out the good things that your parents did that you liked when you were growing up. So like, we didn't have a lot of money growing up because there was, there was, you know, my parents worked, there were five, six kids in the house. So we didn't have a ton of money. So like my family never took like a Disney World trip. But you know what, my parents and my mom specifically, because my mom, like my dad um, was definitely very involved in our childhood. And you know, he's a pillar in our family, but my mom was like the the body and soul of, of our childhood because she was home with us um, 
most of the time it was her when my dad was working night shifts and second shifts. Um, so it was her that was really doing the hands-on parenting and she created just these opportunities and moments in time that really just sealed these types of memories into our minds about our childhood. So while I can say that I never went to Disney World as a kid, you know what? I never, 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 never felt like I lacked any single bit of happiness and joy as a child because my mom ensured that she made things special. So we didn't have huge birthday parties, but our birthdays were always, always celebrated. Um, we didn't have a lot of money, but you know what? My mom created memories with the opportunities and resources that we did have. So we did take, um, we would do uh, lake trips, and our backyard was like just an adventure land in itself. We had a trampoline, and we would camp in our backyard. We just did all kinds of fun things that, as a kid, it didn't require a lot of money. It just required the time investment to be able to truly enjoy that moment and create those memories. And my mom was just a professional at this. She was just phenomenal at being able to create fun and opportunities to just have fun, to be together, to laugh, um, and just really enjoy the small things. And it's because of that, that like when we have opportunities to do things with our kids, I love taking trips and doing new things because I think that that's something really cool. And it's something that my husband and I desire even for ourselves to be able to see different things and visit different places. But I also very much enjoy doing the small things at home, creating opportunities of memories being crafted and built at home. And there's things that we do like this weekend, it was freezing cold. It had just snowed. And I promised my girls that we would go sledding. And on the side of our house, there's a slight incline that creates a, a gentle sledding opportunity for the baby. And I took them sledding. We went sledding in the backyard. Um, and we did all these things. And, you know, I'm out there freezing my tush off because it was so cold and so windy. But, you know, we create these memories where they remember going down and tubing and sledding and doing ridiculous things. We take walks around our neighborhood. And we, you know, as we walk, we tell stories, we laugh, we find games to, to, to play and, and just things to really create bonding moments, memory moments, things that create those core memories as a child that you look back on it, I was like, oh my gosh, do you remember when we did this and we did that and we, you know, we played this game and we had game night or whatever it is. We love having movie nights. We love having game nights. We love doing things with our kids. I find crafts and ideas to do with them. Um, and it's just about investing your time and energy into your children. It's not about how much you spend on them. It's not about how expensive their wardrobe is or, you know, how expensive their hobbies are. You know, my, my oldest takes dance. She goes to dance once a week. It's supposed to be a hobby, something fun for her to do. I'm not going to enforce her to take, you know, do dance, do cheerleading, do this, do that, do this. She may have interest in all of these things, but just like anything in life, you if you really like something, you're going to want to do that and invest your time in it. And if I'm dividing her attention on five or six different things, I just don't feel that you can really grow a passion for every single thing. And instead, you just run yourself down and you get tired. So my mom took the time 
to be able to just create these core memories. So like us playing on the trampoline, that thing was up almost all year round and we played on it during the summer. We would put the sprinkler up and we would make it, you know, make it rain on the trampoline. We would um, bring out blankets, um, and, you know, when it would get the evening in the summertime, we'd bring out blankets and just hang out, look at the stars, um, tell stories, laugh. My dad grilling and then us hanging out, you know, playing on the trampoline. We play on this game called Briscas. Um, it's a card game and we, we all know how to play this. And summertime hits and my parents pull out this table and like we all love taking turns playing this game. Um, it's just like it's little things that it they build character because it allows you to really center yourself around your family, around your kids, their likes, their dislikes. And it just allows you to find the joy in life and learn that the joy in life does not mean or require money. And I know that, you know, in this society where everything's gone digital, we have lost some of that basic joy in life of the simpler things. And I know that sounds ridiculous, all oh, the simple life. No, but really, it is about the simpler things. And it's just something so critical. And I think that it's something so essential for our kids to just learn to have fun with simplistic things, simplistic concepts of being able to hold a conversation, to be able to hold interest in communicating within a group of people and being able to find commonalities with other groups of people. And it's something so essential um, about learning about that. Um, and what better place to do that with than with your core family, your parents, the people that have raised you and brought you up into this world to teach you how to communicate, how to relate to other people and how to fill each other's needs in terms of um, emotional needs and such to be able to understand how to relate to other people. Because really, when you think about what kids are going through right now, so like my oldest is 11, almost 12, and her social circle is strictly based on social and virtual digital mediums. So she video chats with her friends and you know, has conversations while they're gaming. And while I do think that over the past couple of years, this has kind of become a necessity um, just because of, you know, the pandemic and everything that's impacted and changed how kids communicate and how people can get together and hang out. Um, I think that it's taken away some of the socialization aspects of them relating to people in person. And it's a very different world. So with my daughter, I've always had communications with my daughter, even when she was very, very little. Um, so she and I have very great open channels of communication and she will, um, she'll lay down on my bed and curl up next to me and she'll tell me all about her day, her friends and what's going on and who she talked to and what they talked about and all kinds of stuff. And I do appreciate that and I value that very much and I continue to hone that in. We're getting into crucial years now. She's officially a preteen this summer and we're getting to that phase where I know she's going to start pulling away from me, but unlike what's, you know, quote unquote, the norm where teenagers, you know, pull away and rebel or whatnot, I want her to continue to be drawn closer to me, not just as a mother daughter, but also as a friend. I want to be able to have a reliable source of comfort um, and a safety net for her to be able to continue to have difficult conversations with me and share things that she's, you know, uneasy about, things that she's concerned about, things she may be nervous about, which, you know, right now she 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 has 
um, a friend that she, you know, she's got a little crush on somebody and, and, you know, she's shared her crushes throughout, you know, throughout time, because let's be real, kids are human. Um, you know, they have emotions just like you and I do as adults. And, um, she's at that age where you do develop crushes and you're like, Oh, you know, they're cute. They're handsome or they're really funny. They're really sweet. Um, and I want to be able to normalize the fact that that's okay to talk about. I'm not gonna, you know, be like, Oh, you're too young to have these kinds of emotions. Well, clearly she's having them. So she's not too young. She's 11. And I want to be able to normalize that type of conversation. And it's not about normalizing it to the point where I deem that it's all okay. And that it's an appropriate thing for her to do. Like, you know, she says that friends at school are, are dating and I'm like, you're 11. What What is dating at 11? But at the same time, I want to understand the things that she's surrounded by and that she's encountering on a daily basis to be able to relate to her and to communicate to her the things that are appropriate, not appropriate, and the things that I set as expectations as a mother. Um... With my little one, she's a wildfire little firecracker. She's almost four. She'll be four in a couple of months. And with her, it's a different approach because she is just, she's wildfire. So my oldest is very quiet and reserved. She opens up to me, but only because I've been establishing this foundation her entire life. I've communicated with her openly her entire life. And so I've created this line of open honesty with her. With my little one, we're quite not at the point where we have these open lines of communication, but I do communicate with her in the realm and aspect that she can handle because she's three. Um, she's very, uh, she's, she's got a short attention span when we're not talking about things that she's interested in. So with her, it's a little bit different and I do have to gauge the conversation a little bit differently, but I definitely continue to adjust and learn about my ways to communicate with my child, um, and how to best deliver information to her that she's willing to receive receive and openly communicate back to me and give me the reception as to what she's feeling in that moment. So she runs very hot or very cold. So she's either not caring about anything or she's very upset and very emotional um, and, and vocal about her um, unhappiness. So with that, I have to gauge myself and how I respond to her behavior and her communication. So she and I are still learning to communicate. And sometimes I feel that we clash because we communicate in the same manner. So sometimes if I'm upset, my emotions get heightened and my communication is very direct and explosive. And so is hers. So with her, it's kind of we, we kind of come to a head. So then I, I use my husband to mitigate a little bit of that. But um Definitely, it's something that I continue to work with in terms of communication, but with them building core memories. So I do try to take time with each one of them individually, especially once the spring and summer hit. I do find activities that I can do with each one of them individually to spend one-on-one -on -one time with them, to spend quality time with them doing the things that they like, that they enjoy doing things um, and activities that they enjoy Um just to be able to to reflect back that I do understand and I see the interests that they have, but also understand that they have individual needs. They are sisters at the end of the day, but they are individual daughters. And sometimes I think that we try to apply the same thing for every single kid. And that's not how it works. Because I know if my mom had done the same thing for all five, six kids that she had, that she did with me, I can assure you the result would have been very different because my siblings, I love them dearly, but we all have very vastly different personalities. There may be a couple of us that are very similar and alike and would have responded probably similarly, but there's a few of us that are very different. So my mom 
had to continuously gauge her ways of communication with five, six different personalities. And that's a very difficult job to do. And not only that, but as kids continue to grow. So my mom now has five kids in their 30s and one that's about to be 18. So my mom has to now navigate the world of communication with adults. So these are people now that have children, families, spouses, um, jobs, and all of us have vastly different, but yet similar responsibilities and things that we have to do, things that we're responsible for, things we that um, that we value and hold importance to. And my mom has to navigate communicate, communicating with all of us. And even now as adults, even though we can put rationale to it, there are still moments where my mom will say something and it's not coming from a negative place, but the response to what she has delivered can be vastly different than what was expected because the personalities at the core of the people that she's delivering the information to is still very much um, embedded in them, even though you've learned as an adult to kind of navigate some emotions and communicating different things so as an adult I know that I can't just blow up at somebody and say oh my god well I can't I can't deal with this right now I'm gonna walk away as you would you know if you were a child I know that I have to sit there and I have to listen to whatever feedback is being given I have to rationalize that within me and then I have to reasonably respond as an adult um and I just think that it it doesn't get necessarily easier as kids grow up. And I think that that's kind of like a false sense of hope for people because it, it gets easier in the fact that you don't have to do the, um, you know, the upbringing in terms of, you know, caretaking. I don't have to physically do things for my 11-year-old that I still have to physically do for my 3-year-old. But the the responsibility just shifts in terms of where the responsibility lies. So now my responsibility with my oldest is a mental, emotional, psychological responsibility where I am ensuring and trying to keep lines of communication, understand where she's at, and really, you know, look for cues in terms of her behavior, her body language, all these things that I'm looking at, listening for, um, cues that I'm looking for um, to be able to understand where she's at um, versus where my three-year-old is just throwing a toy across the room because now she's upset um, or, you know, begging me, you know, pulling at my shirt because she wants juice. It's, it's a vastly different realm of responsibility. One child is definitely still much more the physical needs need to be met along with the emotional versus now my older one, my physical needs as a parent, I have to do very minimal physical stuff. I do help her with like her hair because she's got very thick curly hair. Um, and very seldomly does she ask for advice on what she should wear or anything like that, but she can fully dress herself. She can do her hair. She can, you know, do all her um, body hygiene things. She can do all these things all on her own, um, but she needs me in emotional, psychological, behavioral support. So it's very different, um, and I think that as as it continues to, as they continue to grow, my challenges will vary. And I just want to share, you know, with parents out there, I know that there's parents that are seasoned veterans like my mom, and then there's brand new parents, brand new mamas that may, you know, might be listening or brand new dads that, you know, they're on their first baby. And I just want to give you a couple of, of words. So first and foremost, if you are someone who is of faith, definitely keep your children in prayer. Ask God for wisdom. Continue to renew your faith every single day um, and asking God for guidance, for wisdom to allow you to see 
identify issues with your children, to be able to listen, to be able to peacefully and kindly respond to your children because sometimes we just we want to react really quickly and that's just not how it works. Sometimes we need to shut up and listen and hear the whole story before we respond. And that's really difficult to do sometimes when you really just want to be on the fly or you don't you know you're pressed for time or you have your own worries and concerns in your mind and the last thing you need is to hear another problem that you all of a sudden have to resolve for somebody. Um but these are your kids. This is this is a responsibility that you have taken on you know the the chapter of parenting and it's very important to understand and not and, and comprehend the fact that as parents we are the beacon of hope for our children we are that shelter of safety we are that safe haven that home uh that home base for our kids where the world can do anything and attack our kids in any different way. But at the end of the day, when they come home and they hit under your roof and they lay on their bed, they are home. They want the safety net and comfort of home. And you are home for your kids. I can take my kids anywhere in the world. And if something instills fear in them, makes them uneasy, they come to me. I am home. I am home. I am that safety place for my children. And I continuously pray to God that he give me the wisdom to identify and understand certain things as my kids continue to grow, to give me the wisdom to be able to react accordingly and lovingly for my children, and then to also give me the wisdom to say things that they need to hear in a loving and kind manner so that it can reach their hearts and minds and be able to be a word that constructs and upbuilds them rather than be something that destroy or hurt their hearts. And sometimes as a parent, you screw up. And the most important thing that that I just want you to remember is that when you do mess up because we do we're not perfect we are human just like our kids and we make mistakes and sometimes we say the wrong thing we do the wrong thing we react the wrong way and it's completely acceptable and I would say it's a complete requirement that if you've messed up you need to own up to your mistake and you need to apologize to your children and my mom is the prime example of that my mom apologized for things to me that i don't even remember as a kid um but these are things that she did you know thinking she was doing the best but repressing me as a child and honestly these are things that i don't remember so mommy please don't don't feel bad i don't remember any of this stuff but i thank you for apologizing because i know it's something that you carried in your heart and you taught me that i need to apologize to my kids and i have found myself in instances with my oldest and my youngest and she's three where I know I did not react the right way. I know I did not say the nice thing and I was not very kind. And sometimes I overreact over stupid things because I'm, you know, I'm dealing with other things in my mind. And I have taken the moment to collect myself and go before my kids and say, I'm sorry for the way that I said X, Y, and Z to you. Or I'm sorry for yelling at you when, you know, it didn't warrant it. Um, You know, I'm sorry for doing this or whatever. And I apologize to my kids. And I think sometimes they look at me like, mom, what are you talking about? Because kids are loving and forgiving and they are just gracious human beings. And, you know, when when the Bible says, you know, you should be like these little ones, it's because they they truly forgive with an open heart and then they move past it and I can see it with my youngest you know sometimes we get so angry because she's you know she's all riled up and you know she's got us at our wits end and then you know we reprimand her and then two seconds later she's hugging up on me she's giving me kisses and I'm just like this is this is what it's like to be just completely 
pure hearted where you just you forgive and you move on and you're moving past it. And as a parent, I think it's truly essential that we understand that if we mess up and we do something wrong towards our kids or say something wrong towards our kids, we need to own up to it because this is how we teach our kids that communicating is essential. Sometimes there is miscommunication, but apologizing and being sincere about our feelings and how we messed up and own up to our mistakes is also a crucial part of being able to communicate and develop emotionally healthy. Um, And my mom taught me that lesson and it's something that I'll never forget because it's something that I apply towards my kids every single day. And, you know, the, the goal is to not have to apologize because you did things right in the first place. But in the instances when we don't, because we are human and we will mess up or we will anger too quickly or we will react too quickly, we do apologize and we have the opportunity to at least rectify the emotion and the hurt that we may have caused in our child in that moment. And the last thing that I ever want to do as a mother is to create pain and inflict pain upon my kids, whether it be physical, emotional, or whatever it may be. I don't want to cause any type of pain or harm. So with that, um, I certainly just, I always pray about it. I know my mom always prays over us and I always pray over my girls. I also pray that God give me and my husband the wisdom to be able to handle the situations that will come because I know that right now things seem to be, you know, easy peasy some days, but I know that more difficult and challenging conversations will come, especially with the way that society has normalized certain things um, that we don't believe in, you know, in our faith. And it's just really difficult because I know my daughter is encountering a lot of things already and thankfully she's got a level head on her shoulders and we continuously talk about things. But um, I know that there's definitely more challenging conversations ahead and I look forward to being able to um, have the wisdom uh, to be able to handle some of those things uh, right the first time and not have to apologize for messing up. I am welcoming and introducing to you my two beautiful daughters Ariana and Michaela. Can you say hi girls? Hi! Hi! So my girls are 11 and 3 and they just want to chit chat a little bit with us. Hey stop talking! I'm going to be all grown up like my sister. She's going to be a big girl. Yes, you are going to be all grown up like your sister very she's gonna, soon. She's going to be an old girl. Oh. A big girl. Oh, she's going to be an old girl? Yep, That's so rude. Yeah. Welcome to my world with Michaela. <laughs> so I want you girls to share how you feel about our relationship as mom and daughter. Do you, Who wants to answer first? Me. Okay. Michaela, how do you feel about me and you? Um, I feel like I have some love inside. Like you have some love inside? You're so cute. Now, Ariana, please tell us, what do you feel about our mother-daughter relationship? I feel that it's very easy to talk to you, like, about anything, and that's what I really love about our mother-daughter relationship. As you just heard, my daughters are very different. The ages, personalities, and tone. And with that, I just want to transition and just get, you know, start wrapping up our chat today. But just remind you that parenting is difficult. Having kids is a beautiful blessing. So if that's something that you have always had the intention of having, I definitely don't deter anyone from creating and having a family because it's the most beautiful experience that my husband and I have been able to share together is this journey of parenting, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And I definitely don't sugarcoat it for, you know, new parents or expecting parents because life is really hard and parenting, we go in with these 
sometimes unrealistic expectations that everything's going to be blissful and joyful and beautiful. And truthfully, most days are just kind of -of run-of-the-mill, you know, bits of chaos here and there. Um, And some days are really freaking hard. And they are just challenging mentally, physically, emotionally, psychologically, trying to figure out how you can maneuver conversations and maneuver um, disciplining and maneuver, you know, being approachable and being loving and kind, um, being, you know, in the moment and being live and present. And then at the same time, you know, trying to have to work, you know, carry out household chores, do the things that you are responsible for outside of your parenting world. Um, But definitely the decisions that we've made over the last almost 12 years since expecting and having our first daughter have definitely revolved around the core of our family and our children. And I don't want to say that any of that is any type of regret because everything we've done, we've, we've accomplished so much, even with having our children. They're not a excuse for us to not be able to do things but it is it is challenging so it's definitely something that I want to put out there and I also just want to share that with parenting it's always crucial to have and develop and form and sustain a support system and my support system in this case comes in the form of my own mom and my sisters who are also mothers Um, I also have my mother-in-law, who I am absolutely blessed to have in my life um, and in my girls' lives because she is wonderful. My mom is absolutely wonderful. She always has encouraging words and positive words, and, you know, she brings doses of reality when, you know, we're building things too much, and she's like, just calm down and enjoy the moment. It's not that serious. And my sisters, of course, because we all share different experiences, but we also share the commonalities and struggles that are just everyday parenting. Because when you're parenting and you live with your children full time, there are just certain situations that are going to present themselves. And it's just inevitable. It's just things that are going to come up. You know, mayhem and chaos is going to ensue that are just part of everyday living. You know, kids are going to make messes. They're going to spill things. When you go through potty training, that's just complete and sheer chaos and just disarray all over the place. It's just so many things that, like, at the end of the day, even though the experiences with each individual child from child to child and family to family can vary, um, the it boils down to the same type of experiences. And it's just, at the end of the day, sometimes you just laugh at just the sheer chaos and ridiculousness that was your day. And I can share that, you know, with my girls being almost eight years apart, there are some days that we are all just like, completely exhausted because the three-year-old has run us all ragged and then there's days where like she and my daughter my older daughter just bring in this sheer level of fun and everything's harmonious and fun and smooth and easygoing and you know you live for those days but you don't count on those days every single day because you know that reality is there's four people living in this household and there's not a 100% chance that every single person is going to be in a good mood all day, every single day from moment, you know, from sunup to sundown. Um, And that's just the reality of family, right? And cohabitating and living with people and and, in your home with different personalities and likes and dislikes and whatnot. So I definitely just want to say, you know, encourage any parent that's out there, whatever you're doing, you're doing it with love. And even if the intentions that you had 
were misinterpreted or went awry, know that at the end of the day, your children will grow up and they will see the sacrifices and the effort that you put forth. And they will be grateful. Um, they are quick to forgive. They are loving and kind, beautiful human beings. And God put them into our lives because they were destined to make our lives better. Um, I know that my life before my kids was great and we used to have a lot of fun in different ways. And after having my kids, there's absolutely nothing that I would trade for having my children in my life. The joy and bliss that we've enjoyed, the memories that we've created, the trips that we've taken, everything boils down to the things that I've done with my kids. Um, absolutely, there's mommy and daddy time, you know, where we where we take that time aside for ourselves. But definitely family time. Our kids are our priority and everything that we do and all the effort that we put forth in anything in our careers and whatever we do outside of home is for our kids. Um, and I definitely, you know, I, I see the effort and sacrifices that my own parents made. And at 36 years old, I look back and I, I just feel so incredibly proud of all the things that my parents made happen with very little money, minimal, you know, uh, post high school education, like not knowing a language, moving to a different country. And there's just so many things that I value and appreciate. And I know that the, the, you know, the value of, you know, the home we grew up in was really paid in blood, sweat and tears because, and tears, excuse me, because it was their hard effort sacrifices. My dad working third shifts, my mom, you know, my mom and him not really working in similar schedules for many, many years until we were much older. And it's just like a lot of sacrifices that take place as a parent. But ultimately, the goal is to be able to, one, supersede the, the, the people that came before you, right? So the generation that came before you, you want to do better than them. And then you want to set up your kids for further success in their future. And that's what my parents did. They're literally the epitome of that. They moved us from Puerto Rico to come here because they were seeking a better opportunity. They wanted better paying jobs. They wanted better opportunity to, you know, grow and have, you know, our, have us grow in, in this culture. And moving here, they still wanted us to embrace our Latin roots, our Puerto Rican roots. And we absolutely do. All of us are fluent in Spanish, even the baby. Um, and we all love and appreciate our Puerto Rican heritage. And we love going and visiting the island. I have a sister that goes, you know, every every other year. We're, we're due to go with the baby. She hasn't been yet, but it's just been pandemic and all these things in, in between. But definitely looking to do that in the next year or two ourselves. But it's just you you come here and, you know, we came here. We still embraced our culture. My dad demanded that we speak Spanish at home. So we all spoke Spanish at home and then we learned English at school. And then you know, from there, they bought their own home. And I mean, their home is almost paid off. My parents are not yet retired. And here we are all in our 30s, and the baby's going to be 18. And we have all married. Most of us has um, purchased homes, have great careers, good paying jobs. Several of us have gone to college, have bachelor's or master's degrees. So there's definitely things that they set up for us, which now they further have set up for their grandchildren because now I'm, I've gone to college, so I expect my children to do something or have a great career plan, whether that includes college or not, that's completely up to them, but it is something that I, I do encourage and I want them to do well in school so that that's a priority for me, my kids, 
And I know that that was a priority for my parents because everything that they did was to be able to ensure that we had everything we needed in order to do well in school, to succeed and excel in school. And obviously, did we all get straight A's, every single one of us? Absolutely not. But it was not by a lack of effort on their part or a lack of encouragement for that matter. Because as a parent, there comes a point where you're not really, you know, you're not really doing the hand-holding like I'm doing still with my Michaela, my 12-year-old almost. Um, with her, it's more, okay, Ariana, did you do your homework? Did you do this? Did you do that? And I expect her to engage me if she needs homework help. Um, right now, the school that she's in is still kind of, it's kind of like intermediate, like um, elementary up to sixth grade. So she's technically a middle schooler, but she's in a school that's technically an elementary school. So her homework levels and things like that haven't quite hit that phase, but it's something that I expect her to be able to reach out to me and say, Mom, I really don't get this, you know, homework assignment. Can you help me with it? And absolutely, I will 100% do everything that I can or get the help that we need in order to get her um, to succeed in that subject. But besides me reminding her or checking up on, you know, whatever communication methods the schools have I'm kind of limited like I can't just you know hold her hand and say okay we're going to do this right now because that's not how it works she's got her own you know independent schedule and things like that that she gets through every day when she comes home so I'm expecting her to take a little bit of responsibility anyway that's a subject for another day but as parents it's just it's very difficult it's very challenging it's also very blissful very rewarding and it's just the most beautiful experience of your life um if you are a parent you know where where I'm coming from if you're a new parent just you wait you think that newborn phase is is beautiful and wonderful just you wait until they start to develop and truly show you their personalities and who they are as a person and when you see that these tiny humans that grew in your womb and you know you saw in your wife's belly are beautiful and just wonderful you know when they do nothing when they're just a lump there laying there and they're just so cute and they smell so good and then when they start to really grow that and develop into that personality and that person that you know they that's who they are at the core of everything they're going to learn to you know behave and behavioral things you're they're going to learn that but the core of who they are as a personality, like, you really get to see between, like, toddler and early preschool age, and I absolutely love it. And right now, I'm going to tell you, my, my little one definitely gets us to, like, scratch our heads because she's very, um, she's very spicy. She's very, you know, hot or cold. She's either really happy or she's really not. Um, so her, she's very explosive in her emotions, which is obviously something that she's going to learn to control. But that's her personality. She, If she feels it in the moment, she's going to tell you she loves you. She's going to give you hugs and kisses. And if she is upset or is not liking what you're telling her, she's also going to tell you. And she's going to, you know, do things and respond in, in certain ways. And that's just who her personality is. And I, I know that some of that will shape over time. But at the core, she is just this person who's going to be able to just express their feelings. And it's just going to like burst out of her because that's just who she is. And I absolutely love it because my oldest is just definitely much more quiet and reserved. I get to see bits of her personality that other people don't get to see. So she is very humorous and very comical. But she's very much more quiet and demure. Her little sister is not. She's a little bit more explosive and bold. And she is not, you know, shy by any means. Um, so just being able to see them grow in every single phase is both. It's a bittersweet experience because you see the person that they're growing and developing into. 
And then at the same time, you're seeing certain things go by the wayside and no longer be. So like our toddler preschooler, she's she says words right now that she doesn't say fully correct. So like she may mispronounce a certain letter or she says a different word. And like when she says certain things, I absolutely love when she says certain words. And then at the same time, I worry that at some point she's going to learn to say it correctly and we're never going to hear that word again. Um, so with my oldest, it was it was like that as well. It was just like, okay, she would say certain things and then all of a sudden she learned to say them correctly. And then that was it. That was the last day she ever said it. And you're never going to get it back because once they've learned the correct way, that's it. It's done. You're moving on to the next phase. So like my oldest is almost a preteen. And there's just so many beautiful things that she's encountering and like going into. And I'm excited for these next phases of her life. But I'm also sad because I know that I'm seeing certain phases end. You know, the little kid phases are ending. Um, you know, the super playful kid mentality is coming to an end. She still plays and she still keeps some of that alive because of her sister. But there's definitely things that I know as she continues to like grow and when we get into social experiences, you know, with family and friends and gatherings, I know she's going to gravitate towards the bigger kids and the older kids. And it's just kind of sad because I'm seeing that part of her um, childhood just wind down. Um, so it's definitely bittersweet. Parenting is a beautiful blessing and I just ask God every single day for the guidance, for the peace, for the wisdom to be able to take care of my kids, parent my kids, but just be loving and be in the moment and be able to be a beacon of just hope and love and peace for them so that they can always feel safe to come to mom, to come to dad, to be able to express their feelings and kind of let out the frustrations that they have as they go out into the world, because that's my job as a mom, to make it a safe place for them to come home and to let it all out. Tell me what happened today. Tell me what was good, what was bad, what did you like, what didn't you like. Um, and that's what we try to do in my home. I definitely hope that you create traditions and routines and, and plans for your family and your home. Don't get me wrong, not every day is beautiful and planned. And, you know, as as we set it out in the morning, believe me, um, some days are sheer chaos and that's okay. Everything in between, right? Everything in between the beautiful family snapshots is the true reality of what life is. And I'm blessed to be able to have it. I'm blessed to be able to share it and experience it with my sisters, um, and my mom to be able to have, um, my mother-in-law to be able to have this network of people that love and support, but also understand that sometimes we have rough days and we want to cry or we want to yell and that's okay. We get up, we try again, we apologize, and we move forward. And at the end of the day, thankfully, God made our children these beautiful, kind um, creations that are loving and kind and forgiving. And for that, we are ever so lucky and blessed. So thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode in another two weeks. God bless and take care. Happy parenting. And so this week, I leave you with our motto, that if you don't laugh, you cry. So here is my favorite sound in the whole wide world. <laughs> you guys are goofballs. <laughs>